mission statement. So I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. No peeking. No peeking at all. Okay? And we're going to have you recite our mission statement. We've had it there for a couple years now, I think, on the board, every single service. Okay, that's too, that's too, uh, that's too hard on everybody. Because <laughs> I want to know how many people, you can open your eyes. I'm, I'm not going to make you recite it with your eyes shut. But my goal here, if this is the mission statement of our church, it should also be the mission statement of our heart. And we need to know it, just like we need to know Scripture in order to live like God and like Christ. So if that's going to be our mission statement of our church, because, first question, on the survey, who is community church? Is it this building? No. Is it all of us combined? Yes. Is it each one of us? Yes. And so when we leave here, we're still the church. And when we talk to our friends, we're the church. And we have to remember, the church is each one of us that believes that Christ is our Savior. And that's what we have to remember. So community church exists to bring God glory, not just Sunday morning, but every moment of every single day. So, next question. How do you bring God glory? You can fill these out. You can fill them out as we're going. Because we do want a high return of re response to this. Because it is going to help both Greg and I figure out, through a lot of prayer and the Holy Spirit's leading, how we will interpret these and how we can help you so we can have you pour your cup out. Because we need to, we need to be infectious. We need to have impact on our community, on our world. And not just in here, amongst our friends, amongst our common believer, amongst the people here. We need to be infectious to everyone. So, I went out of line a little bit. Before we go on, let's, with your eyes open, let's just recite the entire thing so we can get in contact. So, community church exists to bring God glory, to equip servants of Jesus Christ, and to share God's love so that the whole world may know him. Pretty concise. Very well written, I think. In fact, so well written, I believe it's pretty much summed up by Jesus himself in the Great Commission. If you look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Everything. He has all authority. He could command everything into perfect harmony, into perfect place without us, but he invites us in to be his hands and feet. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstances on every occasion, even to the end of the age. So there shouldn't be fear when we step out in faith because he is with us perpetually, always, in all circumstances. He's there. 
I have a saying on my board downstairs that I, that's right in front of my door. When I open my door, there's a whiteboard sitting on the floor, so I see it every single time I open my office. It says, God will not lead you down a path he has not already walked. Gives me hope every single day when I open that door. He will not lead you down a path he has not already walked. So under the church, Bill Heibel says the local church is the hope of the world. And I think it's true. I think we are the hope of the world. I think we are, because so many times we look at our world and we go, it's falling apart, it's, it's just a mess, there's so much catastrophe, there's so much pain, there's so much death, there's so much, so much, so much, so much. But if you look at statistics, the church is not any different than society. And so we're not the hope if we don't act as the church. If we don't act as a God, if we don't have a gospel life, if we don't follow completely believing in the gospel. You know, Martin Luther was once asked by a shoemaker or a cobbler, he said, I've just become a Christian. What should I do? And he said, what do you do for an occupation? He said, I'm a shoemaker. He said, well, then make shoes to the best of your ability and sell them at a fair price. So what you, what you do and where you are in your lives is where God wants you to be in service. It is what you are to do. You don't have to drop everything and go to seminary. That was his point. That was Luther's point. You don't have to go off to school. You don't have to. You are called into ministry as soon as you are even conceived before the foundation of the earth was laid. God knew the plans he had for you. And lastly, you have to humble yourselves because it's not about us. It is not about us. It is all about him which leads me into glory. He made us so that we could bring him glory. It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. It's why we were made. We're made to bring him glory. And then, it's funny, because last night I was trying to decide if I want to do Ephesians 4 or Romans 12 to talk about the church. And uh, thanks, Rob. You took care of Ephesians for me, so I went with Romans, so it was good. Interesting how the Holy Spirit works, because I was like, huh, which one, which one, which one, which one? And then I finally went, oh, I think 12 is better. So for what I need, and he did Ephesians 4, so it was great. But, so I'm going to read all of Romans 12. It's a little long, but I'll read it quick. But I think it spurs us on to know what we're supposed to do. So Romans 12 in the NIV. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God, God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, we who are many form one body, and every member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man, uh, man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. 
If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. By fa- joyful, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, prayerful in, uh, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay another evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Pretty much a whole sermon by itself, honestly. I mean, it nails it. I mean, it really does. You know, and the, the other thing is about equipping. I'm going to move into equipping. I'm trying to respect your time a little bit here. But with equipping, which is the next question, which I don't know where that went, so whatever. Um, how are you being equipped as servants? Or how are you, um, and then uh, what can we do for each other to help you to feel equipped? So both of those questions. But equipping, first, where do we get our, our first equipment? We get it from the Word and the Holy Spirit. We have to know the Word so we know the character of God so that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we know it is the Holy Spirit or we know it is God's voice because He will not contradict His own Word. And if we don't know the Word, then we can be led astray by other spirits in the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? Okay, so rely on those. A question that's not on the survey that I want you to think about is what makes you hunger for a better relationship with God? What makes you hunger for a better relationship? Not what makes you come to church. That's not what to to the church or this church or whatever or a service. Not what makes you come here, but what makes you hunger for a better relationship with God. And then believing God can. So many times, I find it in my own life. I frame God's ability by my inability. And we have to not do that. God can do all things. Just because I'm not able in my own strength doesn't mean God cannot provide the ability for me to do it, if that's what he wants me to do. So we need to step out in that faith, that he will provide, he will lead us, he will be with us in all circumstances, at all times, so that we have no fear when we go out and do those things. And then the last part is, how do you share God's love? Well, John, John 13, uh, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that, uh, that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And praying is an awesome place to start, but we are Christ's hands and feet. So many times we know of a need, we know of something that's out there that of, our, of our own 
congregation, of the community, of other places in the world, and we say, we'll pray about it. And I'm not downplaying praying at all. I'm saying that is a place to start. But we are Christ's hands and feet. So we need to also move. We also need to go. We've done all the things. We've talked about growing, giving, glorifying, going. We've got that on our back wall. We've got a great foundation. We've been given a great foundation. It's time for us to go and to help those people. And when we say, I'll pray for you, stop. Don't say, I'll pray for you, let's pray. It doesn't matter if you're in the grocery store. It doesn't matter where you are. Let's pray right now. And when we do circle at the end of the day, if we do circle, which I don't know if we will today, but I think we should, but if we do circle and somebody has a prayer request, we should be ponying up around them, praying right then. Not saying, oh, that's a good thing. I'll write it on my list and I'll, I'll pray about it later. You should pray about it later as well. But pray about it right then. Right now. When you know. And that's what we need to do. We need to initiate and be in the Spirit at all times. And when we do things for people, when people go, why would you do that for me? Or why would you make me a meal? Why would you do whatever? And you go, because I love you, because God instructs me to love all of his creation. You give God the credit. You don't give yourself the credit. You don't say, I did it because I'm awesome. You know? But so many times we ride our own pride. Didn't mean to rhyme that, but that worked. That's pretty um, we do. We ride our own pride. We, we, we look at ourselves and how good are we, and we don't, you know, it's all God's. And that's what we have to remember, and God's going to do it. And so we need to be out and going. And so that is why I am back. That is what God has brought me, I think, back to here. That's what he revealed to me during this time, is not just that I can help you fill up your cup, but I want to be part of the solution to be able to give you opportunities if you aren't sure how to pour out your cup, that I can show you how to do some of that or I can help you to understand this is, this is why you can step out in faith. This is why you can talk to your family that doesn't believe. This is why you can go into a homeless shelter. This is why you can find out somebody's name that you've never made eye contact with. This is why you can love the person that might be your boss that you hate because they just don't treat you well. But guess what? You shouldn't hate them. You should pray for them. When things aren't going the way you want them to, do we complain? Yes. That's what Rob just talked about. But what should we be doing instead? Praying. We should be praying for a change. We should be sharing who God is. We should love on people that hate us or don't like us because guess what? They're going to be like, this is so weird. This is the weirdest thing ever. And they're going to be like, why? They finally have to break down and go, why? And it's because, you know what? Because you're God's creation. And that's why I love you. That's what I'm instructed to do every single day of my life. And your lives are the same way. And so, come to me. Fill out your forms. How do we equip you better? That's what we need to know. What will you be hungry for? What will make you come on a Sunday night if we offer a class? What will make you stay after church so you can learn more? What will make you get into an abundant life group so you can learn more? What's going to get you back into the Word for yourself? What's going to, is it daily devotionals? Is it Easter, e-pastor news? Is it all these things we keep throwing at you? But we need to know what it is that's going to inspire you. We know it's the Holy Spirit's going to inspire you first. We understand that. But what's going to inspire you to have that hunger so that you can be God and Christ, hands and feet, 
not just in community churches building, but in our community and throughout our world. What's going to make you do that? That's the passion that we want. This isn't just a thing we do. We, you know, Patrick, you can get the video ready. I'm going way off track. I'm, I'm way off sermon now. So, but there's a video that I'm going to present to you. And it's going to challenge some people, and it's going to be amen to others that are already thinking this way. So take it with that and see what's going on in your life that makes you be challenged by this or if this is where you feel. Okay? So, I want to check my notes for one second before I get into this. Okay, I've been on love, so I'm, before we show this, I'm going to do 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen? We're breaking it. We're going to get there. So, I listened to a sermon from Matt Chandler, and it was basically verse 9. And he said, if we have a true gospel life, if we truly love the way Christ showed us love, there are no subgroups within humankind. There are no subgroups. There's no one lower. There's no one higher. There's no race. There's no affliction. I mean, there's just, you cannot put people into subgroups within the gospel. Because we love everyone evenly and equally. Because we love them as though we are looking in Christ's face. And when we start to think that way, we see people in a whole different world. When we see Christ, when we look in someone's eyes, instead of not looking in their eyes, how many times, and I'm guilty of this too, you see someone who is on the street or, or homeless or dejected or whatever, and you won't make eye contact because you're uncomfortable, because you don't know how to react. But we should know how to react. And those are some of the things that I'm going to try and develop some kind of way to be able to share with you guys on how to talk to each other, how to speak love into each other's lives. But it should come naturally. And when you look in someone's eyes, that's where you see them. You know where they're at when we look beyond them. But we don't know them until we look in their eyes. And we ask those questions. How did you get here? What's going on? How can I help? Every single person with a heartbeat is a creation of God. And we have to remember that. And that's hard because we don't always act that way. So share with us on these questionnaires. Use the back of the page. Use another notebook. Send us emails, whatever you need to do to say, how can I catch the fire? How can I get fired back up? How can I have passion for Christ 
that actually somebody can see on a regular basis? How can I be infectious for Christ? Yeah. All right. We're going to go to the video, Patrick. Thank you. I used to think. I used to think. I used to think. That I went to church. That I went to church. I used to think that church was some building with a steeple and a sound system and a big bathtub to dunk people in. I used to think that church was watered down apple juice and flour cookies. I used to think that church was a lot of stand up, sit down and stand up again and then give us all your money. I used to believe that a Sunday morning service would change the world, get people saved, make Jesus happy. I used to believe that before I showed up to church, I had to pray to clean my mind of the things I saw on the web, ask forgiveness from the lies I've told, and vow to give back the things that I've stolen, and promise to be a missionary, or else God would not hear me and then I was not welcome. I used to think that singing was the highest form of worship, second only to wearing a tie and dress shoes. I used to think that church was to only be run by a few who had large degrees and big titles. I used to think if I really needed to find God, the best place to start looking, the best place to start looking was in the walls of the church building. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I don't know if much of what I've been brought up to think about church is really true. It has been easier, neater, and more defined. It has rules and processes and can be reproduced. It's done some good and done much bad. It was safe, reliable, even sacred. It was convenient, it was friendly, it was purpose-driven. But was it what God intended the church to be? I mean, I have to believe that it tried, but somewhere it lost the heartbeat of God. Somewhere we, the people of the church, have traded in our right to fight for each other, to care for each other, to bring hope and peace and love to this world. For a sermon, a few membership classes, and a tax-deductible giving statement. We forgot what it means to give of ourselves, to share ourselves. And we have settled for a one-hour program on Sunday morning. Have we traded what it means to be brother, the bride of Christ, the light of the world, the firstborn, for a collection of lights and buildings, logos and marketing, and safe, neat services? We say we love God. We call ourselves the church. I have a feeling that we've squandered. 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 Our birthright. So what do we do about it? So what do we do about it? So what do we do about it? Do we sit silently pretending nothing is wrong because this is tradition? This is the way that we've always done it? Do we refuse to change the culture because the problem seems too big? Because it will make us uncomfortable? Because it will cost us more of ourselves? If we, the church, want to change the world, we have to change the church. I used to think I was just young, merely idealistic and naive. I used to think that one voice could not make a difference. But what if it can? 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 What if we welcome each other because of our hope for the future instead of the merit in our past? What if our worship becomes a conscious, active, essential part of our daily life instead of a four-course song set and a special offertory piece? What if we give of our time, our resources, our hearts, to make a difference in our community? Instead of writing a check just to clear our conscience. What if we simplify our understanding and belief about the church? What if we actually invest ourselves into building real relationships with those around us? And take ownership of our relationship with God. But what if we're not what if we're not satisfied with satisfied with going to church? What if we're not satisfied with going to church, but strive to become the church? 
That's what we need to do, folks. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now, I ask you to fill everyone with the Holy Spirit, with a passion and a desire to be the church, to be on fire for you, that they will walk out of here with a passion that cannot be stopped, that they will search their hearts to just pour into you, that this will be top of mind, that they wait and they go to the grocery store, to out to lunch, out to wherever they're headed after this, that they will talk about it, that they will be with others, that they will, they will be infectious, that the glow of you will be on them, that they will know that they are, people will know that they believe in you and that they love you and that they are loved by them. Lord, we just continue to ask you to just make it so pronounced in our lives on how we are to move forward with the direction of how we can help each other to become the church. We need to become the church. Each one of us is in worship all the time. And we choose to worship whatever we choose to worship, but we hope that And I pray that you will use the Holy Spirit to make it that we worship you through our actions and that we can bless and love all those people and everyone around them and all of creation, that we know that you are our Lord and Savior. And it's way, way bigger than just having our salvation taken care of. Because if that's where we're at, we've missed it. It's not about just going to heaven. It's about showing Christ's love and spreading it to all nations, and doing the things you've asked us to do. And then when we do leave earth, we get to spend eternity with you because you sent your son to die on the cross. To receive that, we are so blessed that you have chosen us, that you have called us to be here, and now it's our turn to know who you are, to love those around you, and love you so much that we can bring you glory, that we can help each other to become servants of Jesus Christ, and that we can show your love so the whole world will know you and how great you are. And we can change the message of what people have been brought up in, if they have a stigma about you, that they don't understand you, that they only saw the wrath or the judgment or all of the things that sometimes is relayed to the church instead of being the church. So I ask that you would just impregnate everyone with an infectious desire to know who you are better, that they can go out into this community and into this world to just continue to spread your love, Lord. You have called us to be your hands and feet, and now it is time for us to go. We pray all of these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.